Do you want to become a better songwriter? Well, we created a very simple 10-minute songwriter personality test, and it's going to help you better understand who you are as a writer, and it's going to help you in the writer's room when you're writing with other writers, because you're going to be able to identify what kind of writer they are, maybe even have them take the songwriter personality test. If you're curious and you want to take the songwriter personality test today, just visit songwriterpersonalitytest.com or go to the link on the writingworship.co website. This is the Brave Podcast, awakening dreams, purpose, and songs. Our mission is to empower Christian songwriters to craft heartfelt songs of worship. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to... (laughs) I didn't know I was so funny. Oh, wow. Okay, okay. Uh, Chrissy, why don't you tell a joke? Um, Knock, knock. Who's there? Wood. Wood who? Woodchuck. (laughs) (laughs) Eric got a new toy. Eric ordered a new toy. Yes, I am such a podcaster now that I have a Rodecaster Pro. And these are some of the built-in sound effects that come with it. Yeah, that's not funny. I don't know what that one is. That's good. That would have been a better one for the joke. Anyway. You pressed it. You started it. I did. It. I thought I was gonna. I thought we were gonna restart. It was just a joke one. No, this is for real. This is it. All right. Yep. Yep. But um, it's it's a really great. It's more than a toy. It's mm-hmm. gonna be very very useful. You just wait. I'm gonna use it for okay. our. You. We can do an entire live podcast. We don't have to edit it later. We could literally put in all the sounds, all the music, and up to four people. It's really nice. In the same room. So pretty, pretty cool. It's awesome. It's time. It's time. Mm-hmm. We do so much podcasting around here. Yeah. But anyway, that's enough about us. Let's talk about what's happening in the world of Brave and writing worship. What's been going on? I mean, we have yeah. music releasing on the Brave yeah. side. We just had Famous Four release mm-hmm. and we're about to release Arise. Yes. So all of these things are coming out throughout the course of the fall, but it'll all kind of land in an EP, which we're calling Songs from the Barn. Which releases on November 12th. Okay. So this episode is coming out the week of November 12th. So it'll be... So you guys can get it this week. Get it this week. You can pre-save it. Brave Worship. The songs, the album is called, or the EP, Songs from the Barn. Mm -hmm. The last single is Arise. We've had some really, really great experiences sharing this music mm-hmm. that we recorded back in April. It's been beautiful. And, mm-hmm. and it's really fun to see just everybody getting to play a part and making room for more people to do that. It's yeah. Been, has been really fun. Yeah, that's been really fun. We did a event. Conference. We had the Writing Worship Conference. Yeah. So. Did we already talk about that though? I don't think so. We might've said it was coming up, but we didn't do a... We never did a download? We never did a download. That's going to be a whole nother podcast. Oh my goodness. How are we going to do that? I don't know. (laughs) We'll play. We'll just replay everything. You know, we do all this stuff like building up Mm -hmm. to a big conference and then we get so, we're so exhausted when we're done. I mean, it's, it, you come down from the high. It was such a high right? Mm -hmm. to see everyone that we've been talking to online for the last couple of years. We have people from all over 
this country, like literally every corner, it felt like. Mm-hmm. Drove in, flew in. Came in by boat. Who's that? Just kidding. Who came in by boat, train. I'm trying to think of all the ways. Okay. Transportation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, but they all converged here. What's that thing you jump on that you hop Pogo on? Pogo stick. Pogo stick. Your German is showing. <laughs> but yeah, it was a it was a blast having everybody in town, seeing everybody face to face. Unfortunately, it was like raining the entire time. It did rain. That's the, the only time. negative. Was it was just <laughs> raining the and, whole time. And we had this amazing writers round. Yeah. We had some amazing speakers. So, um, but people can get it right if they want to watch the conference and see the whole experience. Yeah, we made the online access available. Uh, we have a; it's part of our ticketing process. Mm-hmm. So, everyone who came live has access to all the video and photos and everything from the event. And then we're gonna use all the content to share on socials. So you probably notice if you follow Writing Worship, you'll see a bunch of content. Snippets from Snippets. conversations and yeah. speakers. And- but the full the full access to everything is available. And you can reach out to me. Email me at eric at writingworship.co if you want to get access to that. I'll send you a link. So what was your favorite part about conference? My favorite part about conference? Uh, well, it's always getting to see people live in three dimensions. Mm-hmm. People who I've admired, people who've invested a lot into us, into mm-hmm. the community, who've engaged a lot. It's just seeing everybody together. It was my favorite. And it was the closest thing to what it felt like when I did my conventions, Mm -hmm. which felt like family of groups of people coming together. But this was for such a, such a beautiful cause Mm -hmm. as well. Right. So it was fun. How about you? What was your favorite part of conference? I think my favorite part was the psalmings. The morning psalmings. I just love that. Mm -hmm. Tell how those worked. So we had two of our mentors up front and then they would sort of call out whatever verse we were going to use or whatever chapter of Psalms. And um, we'd call up volunteers and have four or five of them in a row. And then they would just sing until somebody heard sort of a hook line that we'd circle back to. So it felt like a chorus more, but there were some really great, amazing moments through that. It's just exciting when you see like it's songwriting happening in real time, but it's a surprise moment. Like no one knows what's going to happen. Yeah. And the song sharing time at the end was also super fun. It was just a great way to celebrate. We had how many rights? 27. 27 rights at one time. Mm -hmm. I think that's what we think is a record. We're just going to, we're just going to call it an unofficial Guinness world record. Yeah. Come find us, Guinness. Hunt us down. Hunt us down. Story. I mean, we're that important. Yeah. Right. (laughs) But it was awesome. Yeah. So it was great. And maybe we'll do a better download of that than this quick little blurb. But Mm -hmm. we will be gathering in 2022, hopefully around the same time. We haven't made anything official. There's no pre pre sales or anything like that that we have available right now, but possibly Mm -hmm. before or by the end of the year or before the beginning of the year or during the beginning of the year, we'll make it available and plan it. But we're just trying to breathe again because yeah. we just finished an event. Also, we're going into churches. You, you look at me kind of funny because you think I'm trying to book us on, on a... He wants to go on an everyday world tour yeah, in I, an RV. I do love to travel, but you've talked me out of the RV thing. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. But we're, we're visiting churches and we started 
by going to Murfreesboro or Smyrna, Tennessee this past weekend. What was that all about? Yeah. So, I mean, we've done it in the past at a couple other churches, Mm -hmm. um, but we're sort of opening it up for more churches at this point in time. So basically taking the book and bringing it to life in a live form in a worship team setting. So setting up a worship team for learning how to write worship songs and really it's kind of a jump start. I mean, we taught all day long. We had six mentors there. They all came, which mm-hmm. was super fun. We had a blast. And um, I think it's it puts tools in their hands. It helps them have a common language, common understanding behind what we're doing and why and what tools to use. And, and they're launched. How to develop a songwriting culture was really sort of the foundation. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the purpose. So 10,000 churches, that's not a bad goal. Yeah. This is not a bad mission. Yeah, so we'll see how that unfolds. One at a time. I mean, I think it's going to be us traveling, but I think people will come here eventually too. Well, that's the goal too. Right. With the vision is, I mean, right now we're we're going to go out, build relationships with people, mm-hmm. then come in to Nashville, mm-hmm. have a home for you to come to and continue to develop community, develop your songwriting craft mm-hmm. skills. That's what writing worship is all about. Relationships, resources, and Releases. Releases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's so much more. You guys did a prayer walk on the land mm-hmm. that we're looking at. Yeah. I mean, there's a huge vision. Song Barn. Maybe that's a whole nother podcast. But Let's we talk about that in the that. next episode. We'll share it. Yeah. yeah. So stay tuned for more of that. But we had a great conversation, which you're going to be sharing next. Yeah. So I had a great, great talk with a guy named Brett Perkins. He is uh, a pastor, worship leader. He's developing a songwriting culture himself out in Lebanon, not Lebanon, Lebanon, Tennessee. And he and I had a great talk, sat down over Zoom recently, and he shared the backstory of his music, uh, Journey Church out in Lebanon. And Brett, uh, you'd like him a lot. I know you, you haven't even heard this interview, so mm-hmm. he's one of us. He really is. Him and his, his wife, his family, got to know him a little bit. So why don't we listen in to Brett Perkins? Should I put on some music uh, or a, a sound effect? Let's see what surprise sound effect. Mm. Do one you don't know what it is. Okay. Okay. <laughs> crickets. Okay. No, no crickets. No it's crickets. Actually... One more. Okay. One more. Let's see. Uh, let's see. I don't know what the, which one this is. Oh, we did that we one did already. We did that one. Oh, yeah. Oh, That's the one you pressed. a really long time. Oh. Here we go. And without further ado. Here is my interview with Brett Perkins. All right, I've got Brett Perkins here from Journey Worship Co. Uh, we were talking right before I hit record about some of the things you're working on. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is, <laughs> this is too good. I've got I've to hit records. But so before we get to some of the stuff you were, the juicy stuff that I was hearing from you, give me a little bit of your background. Have you been leading worship at your church? Is it Journey? I would assume Journey Church. Journey Church, yeah. Yeah. Journey Church out in Lebanon, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. How'd you get there? And you've been building a community, uh, quite a bit of a pretty awesome worship community out there. So I want to get into all of that. But yeah, how'd you get started in ministry and 
Yeah, it's great. So background. I'll try to give the just the most brief nutshell of getting into all of it. When I was 15, I was at a camp. It was a student life uh, weekend conference that was going mm-hmm. on, which Student Life is an organization that now Lifeway owns. I was there as a 15-year-old prideful little punk who played sports and hunted and fished and all this stuff. And a pastor walked out on stage and he prayed a prayer that literally changed my life. I don't remember what he preached on, anything. I just wrote down the prayer and it was your will, nothing else, nothing more, nothing less. Mm. And it just broke me down. I, I knew that that wasn't my prayer for my life. I knew that it needed to be, but I knew that there was a lot that needed to change in order for that to be what my life reflected. And so that just kind of began a journey for me. It was it was in that that moment as well that I started the spirit started really working on me to be a worship leader, which was an odd thing. I've told this story a ton of times, but I was in a room that was filled with more people than were in my hometown. <laughs> <laughs> but I felt like the Lord was calling me to do what the worship leaders were doing in that room. And so obviously like I, there weren't any opportunities like that around me, but I knew that the first piece of the puzzle was fixing my heart, fixing my, the posture of my life for it to be your will, nothing else, nothing more, nothing less. Yeah. So that set in motion this journey that, that really it took about probably four years for me to really surrender to it. And then when I was 19, I was in college playing baseball. I ended up quitting baseball to pursue ministry. Didn't have any opportunities, just started serving in a youth ministry while I was there. And then I got my first opportunity leading worship for a college ministry at that same church. And that's where kind of my worship leading really started um, to happen. Like I was leading in my student ministry growing up, but but in college was when I really started getting the opportunities. Mm. That then led to just like one thing led to another. A few years later, I had graduated college, but I got connected with this organization called Centrifuge, which is a mm-hmm. Lifeway organization. Yeah. Where they put on camps across the country for student ministries. And in 2000. 14, this pastor named Eric Reed was our last week camp pastor. And we hit it off really well. And I remember calling my wife saying, if I could get locked in with a pastor like this, a leader like this, someone who handles the word like this, someone who could also be a friend like this, like this would be amazing. Mm. And so Eric and I, we, we started kind of a friendship that week. We kept in touch. The next year, we did a couple more camps together. And by that fall, I was guest leading at the Journey Church. Uh, and then that next spring, which would have been, it was February of 2016, my wife and I moved here. Mm-hmm. And since then, I've been worship leader I really, I, I tell people all the time, I, I became a pastor here. I was kind of worship leader, worship director when I got here. But then uh, over the course of time, they changed the title to worship pastor. And mm-hmm. uh, it was a heavy weight. I remember them telling me they were going to do that. And I was like, oh man, this is, um, I, I had always, I, I had started seeing my job as a pastoral role. And I, right. I really believe that that's what it is. I think you're doing yourself a disservice when 
you look at your your job uh, as a worship leader anything less than a pastor because it's a pastoral ministry. Yeah. Um, but then they deemed me that uh, the elders did, and so yeah, that's the most brief nutshell of like my journey it. from fifteen to today. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. I'd say yeah. all the core core things I need to know. Tell me about pastoring your worship team and have you guys developed a kind of songwriting culture within your church? We have. Yeah. So it's interesting. I had been traveling for about 10 years and for five of those years, I was at the Journey Church. And for those five years, I had been wanting to merge what was going on on the road with me and what was going on in the church. Not necessarily saying like, it's going to be Brett in the Journey Church because like I didn't, half the places <laughs> that I went, people didn't even know who I was and people didn't ever, like they would spend a whole week with me and still not know my name. And like, I was totally fine with it. At first I was like, come on guys. I mean, it's a pretty basic name. Right. But but then right. by the end of it, I was just like, it doesn't really matter because right. I knew that like the purpose of me going places was not to spread my name or my work or whatever. It right. was, if people didn't leave knowing Jesus better than I didn't spend my time well. Right. And so 2020 was a really big year for everybody. But for us, it was a little bit different maybe than other places in the country because the tornado came through right before COVID. And the tornado actually directly hit our second campus. So all of 2018, we spent building a huge army of a worship team so that we could have worship services in two different locations. We lived in that world for a year. And then in 2020, it took away our other campus. So then we had this massive army in one location. And then 10 days later, COVID hits and shuts everything down. And so that really started like making me think through like, okay, we've got all of these creatives and no opportunities right now for people to like practice that muscle or, or create. And so there was so many things that, that kind of led to us getting to, I guess, the place that, that we are. But one of the big things was we, I was listening to a podcast about how people in your seats are a lot of times the least tapped resource. They're the most untapped resource for your church. And so I started thinking through like, okay, well, if there's ever a time to merge things, then this is the time to do it. And so there was also this, this is not to bring up any like controversy, but there was this um, conversation happening within the church of should we sing songs from fill in the blank church based mm -hmm. on like theology and Right. Dances and all this stuff. And so you can join the critiques and it's really easy to be a, a armchair quarterback or critique from the sidelines. Right. Or you can just provide alternative solutions from right. within. Mm -hmm. And then as we assessed just the world that just seems to continue to crumble around <laughs> in so many different ways. Oh, man. We just, we were like, you know what? We're going to fight for truth for our people in our walls. And God will take it where he wants to, but 
we are in charge of our people. So that's what we're going to do. So we casted some vision to talk about what Journey Worship Co. would look like inside our walls, which was just writing songs that were true and clear and beautiful. And so we, we, we casted the vision and then set sail on the journey. It was really fulfilling and unifying and edifying and hopefully glorifying to the Lord in what we accomplished. And the result of that is your debut album. Yeah. Well, even it. before the album, the result of that was songs being written that were sung in your community, in yeah. your church. Right. And so, and out of that came a live album release. Mm-hmm. And actually you, it looks like you released another song, Come to the Lord, before that. Yeah, we released, we released two singles, oh. With Christ and Come to the Lord. And that was really, because we were a new band, we needed to, I mean, some of this was just like strategy, you know, like mm-hmm. because we were a new band, we needed to establish ourselves on certain platforms like Spotify and right, right. Apple Music. And in order to claim artists, your artist profiles, profile. you, mm-hmm. you've got to put some stuff out. But also we wanted to be able to promote the record in such a way that the record would people would know that we were putting out music. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. really in this kind of, in this world, I think, I think like 60,000 songs are uploaded to Spotify day. every day, which yeah. is insane. Yep. And so it doesn't matter really how good your song is. If no one knows you exist, no one's going to hear the song. So exactly. we, we wanted to spend some time promoting some songs that we really believed in that we thought could really give a good runway to the record. Perfect. No, it's yeah. really great. So go take me back now to how many songwriters did you end up finding and how did you, what are some of the pragmatic things that you did to build community and to develop kind of co-writing and songwriting yeah. culture? And did you have like, how did you even think to do it? How did yeah. you even think <laughs> to structure it? Just curious. Yeah. I mean, so I reached out to a guy named Aaron Ivey from Austin Stone Worship. Because I, I, I had always appreciated their approach and I appreciated him as a pastor and as a worship pastor and leader and just the things that they had done at their church. And so I just, I asked him, I was like, dude, how did you, how do you do it? what did you do? And he just said, we just did it. Like we just started. And I was like, there, so there's no like magic bullet. And he's like, no, nah, man, we just kind of started and just saw what, what happened. And so and he also, I mean, he gave some other pointers within it, but like the big thing was just do it. And so, mm-hmm. so I started within the team. We have, we had about 35 people on our worship team that I sent an email to and we did a, we did a team night and that's where I casted the vision and just said, look, this is going to be an all, an all team event. Like if you have time, then we want you there and we'll put you in a group. And for me, I knew I knew enough about writing songs and I knew enough about some of the team members that I knew generally who knew about writing and who, who might've been new. I'm using new in so many different ways right then. Um, but <laughs> new I, <and> new. <laughs> I did, I did know that to write a song, you need, you need a melody, you need an arrangement and you need content. And if you have, if you have those three people in a room, then you're probably going to at least get, a version of a song, you know, if not a complete song. And so at our team night, 
I said, here's two days to put on your calendar. And if you can make it, then email me, text me, text Becca, who was, who's uh, our assistant. And we'll, we'll put you in a room. It'll be an all-day ride. I think the first one, there was like 18 people that showed up, which was amazing. I mean, yeah. so we had, I think we ended up having, that was 18 over the course of a day. So we had two rights that were both three hours a piece. And we had three groups in each right. So there were six rights and we wrote six songs. It's mm-hmm. amazing. So it was awesome. Yeah. And so that, that kind of started, that, that started what we did. But also... One of the things that I think was the most beneficial factor for us was since we're riding within our church, I know this is scary for some people when, and when I say it, but uh, we're riding within our church. One of the things we really valued was the theology of the songs that we were singing. And the people who know the theology the best and how to articulate it the best within the church are the pastors. And so I actually asked a couple of our pastors to join in some of the rooms who had Mm -hmm. no songwriting background ever. And Mm -hmm. they actually influenced some of the biggest songs on the record for us Mm. just because they were able to articulate in clear ways what we were trying to articulate with theology. And so you you put a pastor in a room with musicians and songwriters and you get, I think, a clear, truthful, and uh, compelling package. I love it. I think that is really exciting, actually. Um, It has a number of benefits. Obviously, if the pastors are in the room, they're going to be more likely and supportive of what the worship team is doing and the songs you pick and, and all of that too. I think it builds community. Sometimes there's this divide between the teaching pastor or the head pastor and the worship leader and yeah. that, uh, or the worship team. They're sort of like, they don't understand each other. They just put up yeah. with each other. They know we need the worship team to, but the word is more important, you know, and all of that. So it sounds very communal in the way you did it. Yeah. Well, and I, I think, I think sometimes you get those divides because you have a misunderstanding of the function of both or a misconception of what role the worship leader plays. Like I, I personally, I hate whenever they say we're going to have worship and then we're going to have a message because the message is, is worshiping the same. It's just, you're just hearing the word as opposed to interacting with the truth and singing it. But like, I, I do think absolutely for there to be, I think a, a, an effective and successful worship team that's putting out music, your worship pastor and your senior pastor, your lead pastor do have to have a good relationship. (laughs) And I'm fortunate that, that Eric, I mean, he's, he's one of my closest friends and he's influenced me more than anyone when it comes to theology and articulating scripture and knowing the word and, um, no, I mean, I, he's, he's been really influential in, in my life for that too. So there was a trust there already that, that we had that I was like, you know what, put him in a room because he's going to do, he's going to benefit this yeah. process. Yeah. No, I love it. No, that's, it's wonderful. I love seeing that. And so 
of all the songs you wrote, now that was the first time you gathered. How many songs do you think you've written over the course of this period of time? And how many songs do get used? And do you exclusively use the songs you write? Or are you also using songs that, that maybe the rest of the church would know, the body of Christ would know? Just right. curious. Yeah. So I think for the first one, we wrote maybe 20, 21 or 23 songs total. And we ended up recording... 10 of those and two hymns. So we recorded about half and then we added two hymns in there that our, our church is keyed in on. Mm -hmm. We're already writing for a new record. And I know that kind of your sophomore record is like just historically one of the hardest ones. And I don't really know why, like I think in some ways because you ride the coattails of, of the first one, or maybe you're a little bit more lax or maybe you don't put as much effort into it. I don't know. I mean, it's probably a number of reasons why the second one's the hardest. But I have set out, like I've, I've told the team, I'd love for us to write 30 songs at least just to pick from, you know, because like I, I want us to have our best options on the table. And I think sometimes, sometimes you got to write bad songs, you know, just to get them out of your system and mm -hmm. just a great song can just look like a decent song if a better song is written, you know? Mm -hmm. And so and I think you kind of writing more is never going to hurt you. Oh no. Um, so if you, if we keep the same ratio, you know, the first one was 21 to 23 songs and we kept 10. If we still keep 10, but we write 30 then theoretically the songs are, will be at least as strong, you know, right. or if not stronger. Right. And then how do you handle your publishing and administration? How do you work with the, the writers of the song? And did the pastors get co-writing credit in those mm -hmm. rooms? Yeah. So yeah, tell so, me all about that. I'm just curious. Yeah. I mean, that's... So that's honestly my least favorite part of the whole process. No like the, way. Really? Yeah. It's everybody's, <laughs> right? Right. So it's the part that I... I have used the most help on and could use the most help on completely transparent. But like what I've told them is if you want, if you want your credit, then you have, you need to get registered with a, with a PRO. Um, and then I've been the one that just, that puts it in for them. Mm -hmm. I'll just uh, register it all for everybody. Okay. We haven't officially. But do you take publishing? Any... I'm just curious. Do you take publishing or do no. you just give them publishing? No, we, uh, as a church, I wanted to really guard the rights of the writers within mm -hmm. our camp. I don't know what the future looks like. You know, our, our church could decide, which these aren't even conversations right now, but our church could decide to start a publishing company, you know, within, within our walls. Mm -hmm. But right now it's just, we split the publishing among the writers and then any of like any of the sales will go to the church. Mm -hmm. But as far as like royalty rights and whatnot, they'll go to the writers. So CD sales, you mean? Yeah. CD sales, they'll go to the church. Product, merch, yeah. anything related to Journey Worship Co. would just yeah. go to the church. Yeah. Yeah. All of that. We're working on like this past year, I, I had flipped over stuff from Brett Perkins band events to Journey Worship Co. And we're working on just all of that being housed under the church to where it essentially will be functioning like a label of sorts because mm -hmm. 
events, merch, sales, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Everything but publishing will be uh, going to the church. So it's a it's a way to it really I think you know in some ways financially benefits the church as well. Yeah. While also resourcing the church with songs that are truthful and clear. Yeah. No, I think that's that's very fair and uh, a great way to to work with everybody. Well, what a wonderful thing. Do you have any specific songs or stories that you that you feel really resonate with your congregation and with people outside of Journey Church that you would like to tell? I mean, I think one of the songs that have been received well and that we that we're um, aware of that churches are using is "Come to the Lord." Song called mm-hmm. "Come to the Lord," and it actually started as a poem. And I, I mean, there was an idea of a piano line and like a melody with it. But then when we got into the room, it's essentially just it's the gospel laid out from before our birth and then until heaven finally calls us, give mm-hmm. us grace and strength to stand. I mean, it's just this. It walks through the narrative of the gospel, and then at the very end, the bridge is where. There's a shift in the room at different times, but it just walks through a pretty extensive list of if you're this, if you're this, come to the Lord. If you're this, if you're this, come to the Lord. Mm. And the line that's like, that kind of freaks people out a little bit is uh, it says, if your marriage is struggling, come to the Lord. Mm. And I remember the first time we ever we ever did it at, uh, we had a staff and elder night where we unveiled a lot of the songs before we ever did it to the church. Right. Um, which I think if you're, you're a worship leader listening, this is a great, uh, it, it became a really great idea. Like get your leaders and your, your influencers in a room, give mm-hmm. them the first taste and get feedback and then unveil it to the church. So then you've got, you, you've just got a full room of people who are excited and celebrating the songs even before they're introduced. I, lo- I love that you're kind of letting people feel a sense of ownership. Yeah. I think that's just beautiful because then yeah. it's, it's real community. Well, it's community. And like the reality is, I told, I told the staff and the elders this, the reality is Journey Worship Code doesn't exist if it doesn't have the support of staff and elders. Yeah. And, and it also doesn't exist if the people aren't writing the songs too. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's like so many, it doesn't fall on one person. Like there might be one visionary, but vision doesn't become anything if you don't have someone to draw or someone to paint or someone to put magnifying glass on it and see like the finer details. Like there's just so many different yeah. components to it that like you really need to value people and you find in valuing people that people are actually really creative and, and supportive. Yeah. And that, anyway, I can get off on a tangent there, but. Well, Andrew um, Mitchell calls it honor. Honor. Hey, your honor and people, you absolutely outdo yeah. one another with honor in processes like this. Yeah. Um, point out the window more than you point in the mirror. Yeah. Um, I think if things can get better than point in the mirror and say, fix it. But if things are going well, or if, if there's things that are celebratory, then find somebody to celebrate. And yeah. uh, something we say at our church a lot is celebrate what you want repeated. So if there's something that, that someone's doing really well that 
you want more people to, to repeat and celebrate that openly. But and it um, takes away the spirit of competition a little bit as well when you're man. focused on championing each other. Because if you yeah. if if you want to you you we can celebrate when when someone in the kingdom wins or has a talent or a gift, we can celebrate that because it's it's going to it's we're part of the kingdom, we're part of the family. So yeah. uh, and it plus it just does so much good for our heart to do yeah. that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I could talk about the team all day about how selfless they are, how championing of one another they are and how there's no, no competition, no sense of like selfish ambition. And I, and we talk about it a lot. I think I really believe, so some people don't talk about it until it's an issue, but I really believe you need to talk about these things before they're issues because if you're not, you're probably losing already. Yeah. And so we say it pretty often. It's where selfish ambition exists, there's disorder in every vile practice. That's scripture. It's James. Yeah. Yep. And you have to fight it because if you're not actively fighting, then you're probably actively losing, like I said. And so, yeah. So, yeah, I, I couldn't be more grateful for this, for the team that we have and for just the attitudes and just the the not big dealness, the non big dealness that is exemplified on on the team. So, well, I've added both the song, the new release, newest release called "Behold," the live off the off of the live album, and I've added "Come to the Lord" awesome. onto our writing worship playlist. Um, and I look forward to seeing what our community how they resonate with that. Uh, yeah, awesome. In there, and then. Tell me about a song that you said you were about to tell me more about, which I thought was so interesting. This is the juicy part, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, the, tell me about this new music that's that you're recording or releasing or about to release. Yeah. So um, back in May, we actually, this is kind of the wild thing. We had just released our first single off of the, the debut record. And we were already writing for the second record as things were unveiling. And this is back in May. We So we, we got together and we all had this, the, we were all resonating on, uh, there's a couple passages in Psalm that talks about some put their, their hope in horses and chariots, but we put our hope in the Lord. Essentially, people put their hope in things that humans can control or human power, human strength. Back then when there was, kings and warriors that was horses and chariots and soldiers and all these things. But we trust in the Lord. Uh, we put our hope in the Lord. So we were kind of resonating with that, like thinking really about just the culture that we have, whether it's putting people putting their, their hope in the things they see on their, on the news, maybe politicians, people finding their comfort in the likes that they get on Instagram or the vanity you chase on TikTok or social media, whatever it might be. And it's not saying that all these things are bad, but like finding your hope and your comfort in all these things is not good. And so we kind of were in this super, um, I guess, depraved line of thinking. But then our pastor, he brought up the Heidelberg Catechism, which is the the Heidelberg Catechism. Okay, and, and I don't is, have it on me. I need to. I need to find it. This is Heidelberg, Germany. 
Yeah. And it's the catechism. I've not heard of it, but tell, yeah. Yeah, tell me. You don't have to find it, but... Yeah, okay. Tell me. Okay. So the Hadeberg Catechism essentially is the que- it's question one of the Hadeberg Catechism, which catechisms have been used throughout her- church history to teach foundational beliefs mm-hmm. for believers. Yeah. And question one, I don't know all the answer, but question one is, what is my only hope in life and death? Mm. The answer is, wrapped up in a nutshell, that I'm not my own, but I belong to Jesus Christ who paid for all my sin. Now that's like, there's this huge long way of like unpacking it. But essentially, the answer that we give to culture, so like the whole verse one, two before chorus is like, some will trust in what they see, hoping in authorities, giving way to vanity, forsaking their identity, mm. which really covers a lot of ground. Yeah. Some are chasing after fame, celebrating sin and shame, making for themselves a name, eager for an earthly gain. And then the pre-chorus is, but we trust in the Lord. And then the chorus goes into the Hadeberg Catechism. In life and death, through every circumstance, my only comfort is I'm not my own. For I belong to Jesus Christ who paid for all my sin with his precious blood. I'm not my own. Mm. And so you just walk through all of that. And then, you know, it, it unpacks it from there. And then we started thinking about Paul and how, uh, I think it's Philippians 3, where he talks about, uh, he gives his list of uh, like all the things that he has to boast about. He's like, whether it's like my heritage, my uh, what I know, the things that I've done, all these things. I have all these reasons to boast, but uh, I count it all a loss. I'll I renounce it all for the sake of for the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. Mm. And earlier in in uh, Philippians, he had said for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. And he mm. just walks through just this beautiful picture of unpacking like all these things he'll renounce for the sake of Christ. And that's the life we're called to. And it's this reminder that we're not our own. We were actually, we had a price on our head that we couldn't pay. Mm-hmm. But God, he demonstrated his love for us and that while we were still, while we're sinners, still sinners, Christ mm-hmm. died for us. He made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. He did something that we couldn't do on our own. Therefore, we are not our own. And our comfort is in the fact that he did that for us, not because we're worthy, because we're not worthy. But when he looks at us, he sees his son because his son has covered us. We're made right with God. We're righteous because of Mm -hmm. Christ. Mm -hmm. So the finished work of Christ should lead us to say, in life and death, my only comfort is I'm not my own yeah. because of the finished work of Christ. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a, it's a congregational worship song. Our people have caught on to it. And the, the reason for putting it out is because our people were like, when are we going to, when is this going to be out? <laughs> so we're actually, we have this uh, apologetics event coming up in November. It's November 6th at our church. And it's open to all like students and young adults. But the whole kind of the theme of it, it's not not my own, but not my own fits the theme. So we're actually yeah. releasing it that Friday before on cool. November fifth. Yeah. Cool, very good. Yeah, you've heard it here first. This is like this we is even the announced first. It. Yes. This is the pre-promotion <laughs> is happening right now. That's right. Very cool. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I'll make sure this is released close to that time and uh, make sure that it uh, people know about it and can get a hold of it. Um, Love it. 
and even attend the live event if they're close by. Yeah, man, it'd be yeah. awesome. It's we'll be leading it. Journey Worship Co. will be there. Our pastor will be speaking at it. Eric Reed, and then our apologetics team. They're the most brilliant minds. I mean, like I'm almost careful whenever I'm talking to them because I don't want to say anything dumb. They're just so, <laughs> they're so smart. I get that man. way around these apologetics people. I, I yeah, you know, yeah. But they we can smart. learn. We can learn so much from them. We just yeah. they're just. It's a whole day devoted to engaging truth, defending truth, and engaging worldview and whatnot. So yeah, no, I, I'm a big fan. I'm attending a Voices of Truth event a couple of weeks. That's happening in Nashville, cool. and I'm a a big apologetics uh, fan, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's um, awesome. Yeah, I just I'm I'll, always curious to know and have a, a greater hunger for the truth of the the Word of God and what what the Word of God says and what God says about whatever worldview is out there. And there's plenty to talk about for yeah. sure. So, have you ever written this? Is kind of my final question: Have okay. you written a song called "Your Will"? Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else, or with those lyrics? Man, I've tried. It will happen one day. I, I literally like mo, uh, so many rooms I've been in. I've wanted to put that in there, and I think it'll happen. Uh, and I think it'll be great when it does. It just it's never fit. So I get it. Yeah, I get it. But if you're sure. affirming, if you're affirming that it's a good idea, then I am I, affirming. I received that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I thought it as soon as I heard it. Good man. Well, Brett Perkins, thanks for taking time and sharing your building your songwriting culture story and just the story behind how you uh, release this, how you're releasing music and how it's affecting your church. And I just uh, pray a ton of blessing on everything that you're doing and, and however we can partner with you with writing worship or brave worship, which brave worship, if you didn't know, is a community for female songwriters, Christian songwriters, worship songwriters uh, that my wife started 10 years ago mentoring uh, women in this town when she heard the Lord say, be what you need because she needed a mentor and she didn't have one. And so yeah. she felt the Lord said, you need to be what you need. Wow. And so she started doing that. And then out of that, she wrote a book called Writing Worship, which is a uh, basically a personal... It's all about the heart and skill of writing worship songs uh, that she's learned in the last 15 years or so, writing tons of songs and it's been a fun journey for me to just kind of come alongside her and help with seeing some things into reality that yeah. she had been dreaming about doing. So it's been been fun to partner together with my wife on that. Is your wife in the I love it. In the band? She's yeah. not. My wife, no. my wife is a very cute singer, but she's not <laughs> she's uh she's not uh not in the band. Not in the band, man. She's okay. like she's like the band mom. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, kids. I heard some kids in the background of our interview. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry about that. Uh, I have no, I, I have three boys. They're all under the age of five, and so oh, you got your hands um, full. But she is uh, she's the most integral part of this whole operation because she allows for me to be able to to do this. She keeps the home happy and well, and uh, she keeps up with four boys. I only have three to take care of. She keeps up, <laughs> she takes care of four. Yeah, the oldest one's the the most difficult. I'm sure. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, me too. Me too. But no, she's she's awesome. She's like she's superwoman, and she makes me look better when we're together. And yeah. she allows for me to do what I do uh, when we're away. So I can't say thank you enough to her. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, Brett. I wish you all the best, and um, I look forward to keeping up with you and um, 
yeah, staying connected. And, and I'm grateful that we, uh, we had this time. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for having me on. You bet. To get connected to our community of female songwriters and creatives, visit braveworship.com. And if you'd like some more information about our resources for Christian songwriters, visit writingworship.co. The times I've grown most as a songwriter are the times I've had mentors showing me the way. If you're looking to grow as a songwriter, we're now accepting applications for our Worship Songwriter Mentorship. Now it's available only a few times each year. The Worship Songwriter Mentorship is a songwriting intensive that will help you craft impactful worship songs. It's a course created by Dove Award-winning and Grammy-nominated, uh, drumroll here please, <laughs> our founder, pro songwriter Chrissy Nordoff. It's a small group community, and it's led by other songwriters over the course of nine weeks. It's an intensive course and a small group co-writing environment, and that means you'll be added to a special group of about 12 writers, give or take. Each group is led by experienced songwriters, some of them my dear, dear friends, and I've even gotten to lead a group or two. Rachel here, by the way. We love the church, and we love to champion fellow worship songwriters just like yourself. In this mentorship, you'll learn how to write songs for you and your congregation. You'll go deeper in your intimacy with Jesus. You'll get the tools needed to help craft songs more easily and never run out of creative ideas. Okay, I know it sounds too good to be true, but trust me, this course is a game changer. You'll learn how to leverage your unique songwriting personality and connect with other like-minded writers in a meaningful way. Truly, I can't think of another course, group of people, community that has impacted my songwriting the way that this mentorship has. If you're wanting to take the next steps in your songwriting journey, then apply now at the link in our show notes. We hope to see you there.